0: 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's always good to know, isn't it? That our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hebrews 6, and verse 10, the Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love that you have shown towards in his name or towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister you know we uh lots of times we think about you know God remembers everything I've done and that kind of worries us sometimes because we know that we haven't done anything bad that God has not seen and that God certainly remembers but it's encouraging to know that God does not forget good deeds that we do either God is that'd be an unrighteous thing wouldn't it and God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love uh, towards His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But it says, because of that, we should be steadfast and unmovable. Now these are, these are similar words. They, but they kind of take a different focus. Steadfast has more, of an inward focus, whereas unmovable has more of an outward focus. Steadfast is that you and I should not, should have the determination within ourselves to stay faithful to the Lord and do what the Lord wants us to do. Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 14 says, Hold your confidence steadfast to the end. Our reward comes if we're steadfast. We make up our mind on the inside that I'm going to stand fast. That's what steadfast means. To stand fast. To stand where we ought to be. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. We resist the devil in his attempt by being steadfast. So it has to do with the determination from the inside that I'm going to be steadfast. Unmovable means we're not going to let things from the outside move us. Now, these two words are overlap a little bit in meaning, but the difference is in the focus. The focus, I'm not going to let myself get out of what I should be. Unmovable means I'm not going to let anything out there, out beyond me, move me from where I ought to be. Uh, Galatians 1, the Bible says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him. That has called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached, let him be accursed. So here he talks about the Galatian brethren. You have been so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ. Why? Because someone had preached another gospel to them. Something from the outside had affected them, had influenced them. And Ephesians four verse fourteen encourages you and I not to be carried about uh, by every wind and of doctrine that comes about. And the idea here is uh, like a leaf caught in the wind. A leaf, lots of times, just lays where it lays. But a wind comes along and it'll blow that leaf. Winds come from south, it'll blow it north. If it comes from north, it'll blow it south. And he says, "This is if you're not stable from the inside, if you're not determined not to be moved." The doctrines and things you hear from the outside, well, it's going to sway you this way, and it'll sway you that for, that way. So you and I need to be unmovable. Acts twenty verse twenty three and twenty four, Paul said that afflictions awaited him when he got in Jerusalem, and trouble, and bonds. He says, but nothing moves me. He was determined; he wasn't going to let anything move him. So this passage says, be you steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. So what do we do when we stand steadfast? What do we do when we're unmovable? We abound in the work of the Lord. I'd like to talk about that. And Any of you all could have put this sermon together as easy as I could have. I took a concordance, looked the word abound up, and it's an abounding, and I found a number of places in there. So the Bible speaks of certain things we ought to abound in. Well, what does abound mean? Well... You think about a rabbit, he, he bounds around, around, you know, bounces around. People bound on trampolines. That's not what this is talking about. <laughs> the word abound here, here's a number of different definitions I found in dictionaries and things. A lo- bound means a large number or great quantity, prevalent, copiously supplied, exceed, be over, overflow, abundantly, excel, strong, be in excess, over and above make or have more, multiply, increase, enough and in despair. Now that's enough different words to explain you know what the word abound means that we ought to get the concept. It means over and above. Abound means not just doing something but really getting with it. Not giving your heart partly to something but giving your heart totally to something. And so the Bible talks about you and I abounding in the work of the Lord. Not just coasting along and of course, always we need a certain amount of ease and leisure. I know that the Bible talks about that the need of leisure and all. But we ought to abound when it comes to the work of the Lord. We ought to do more and more of it, exceed and go above and beyond even what's called we're called upon to do sometimes. Now that if I got this thing right this time, punch the right button. Ha ha ha! Works, doesn't it? Here's something we should bound in, and that is uh, the Christian life, the Christian characteristics. Uh, 2 Peter chapter three, chapter one, verses five through eight, giving all diligence. Uh, add to your faith virtue, the virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, tem- temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brother kindness, brother kindness charity. If these things be in you, and abound. Then they make you whether you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and is forgotten that he was once purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So these things that he's talking about. Faith. Virtue. Knowledge. Temperance. Patience. Brotherly kindness. Charity and all of these things, we should abound in them. Do you abound in these characteristics? Well, then that leaves room for all of us to work on it, doesn't it? I don't abound in all these characteristics, but give us something to work on. So think about this this year, as you start this year out, that you're going to abound in these characteristics, because people see your life, and your life will have an influence on others. You never can tell about things, you know. I know a fellow called me one time, Bill Harris. Some of you may know him in Gainesville, Texas. Called me and said, Jerry, would you, would you come down and baptize me? I said, well, yeah, Bill. He'd been going to church with his wife for a good long while, you know. he's raised in the Primitive Baptist Church. Primitive Baptist Church doesn't believe in Sunday school, instrumental music. And uh, Lisa didn't used to believe in full-time preach system. They believed in baptism for remission of sins. They believed in predestination. That's where they differed from us. <laughs> they thought it was already determined. But anyway, Bill had gone to church all these years. He'd never been baptized. And uh, he said, I remember you and your dad talking to me 20 years ago. 20 years ago. My dad played golf a lot with Bill. We didn't say a whole lot. We went. I was holding a meeting at like Concord, I guess. Went over and we visited Bill talked to him just a little bit. Probably didn't talk to him more than two or three minutes. Bill remembered that. People see your life. They hear the things you say. So you ought to abound. Abound in the Christian characteristics. Because you never know what kind of effect you'll have on others. And not only that. The Lord's never unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. The Lord sees. The Lord rewards. Your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. So we should uh, abound in in uh, these Christ, in Christian life and Christian characteristics. We should abound in love. Uh, Philippians one and verse nine says we should abound in love. Love, love, who, what? Well, Matthew twenty two thirty seven through forty says the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, your heart, your mind. Second, liken to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So we should love God, we should love our neighbor. Not only love God, we should abound in that love. We should have a strong feeling in our heart of love towards our fellow man. And towards towards God also. John 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we abound in a love for God, we're going to abound in keeping His commandments, that's for sure. And this is the love of God perfected in that you keep His commandments. 1 John 2 and verse 5. And now love is something that you do. So, someone said, well, you know, I just can't find it in my heart to love so-and-so. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, love is a command, isn't it? Someone said, well, how can I be commanded to do something? I just don't feel in my heart. He's not talking about your feelings. He's talking about what you do. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13. Charity never faileth. Begin at verse 8. No, verse 4. Charity suffereth long. That's a part of love. Putting up with things. Putting up with people and circumstances. Charity suffereth long is kind. And kind is a way you deal with people. You may not care for someone in some ways, but you can be kind to them, can't you? Charity vaunteth not itself. And it says, envieth not, it's not jealous. You know, doesn't vaunt itself up as like as some great, in, like you're some great individual. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemingly. seeketh not her own. That's selfish. Person that's, uh, as you know, love is not a selfish thing. Is not easily provoked. Are you easy to jump and react to things? You know. Someone says something and you just jump right quick. One of the big problems is that lots of times you're wrong about what you're jumping about, you know. You find out that later to your own embarrassment. But love is not easily provoked. It thanks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. So charity is something that you do. Bud Jones was talking with a fellow one time and, and they had trouble in their marriage, this couple. And talking to the fellow, and he said, well, I just don't love her. So, well, the Bible tells you to love. Well, I just don't love her anymore. He says, love is a command. It's something you do. And the truth of the matter is, he didn't want to behave this way towards his wife. He didn't want to be kind to her. Didn't want to be long-suffering with her and things like that. Love is something you do. And the Bible says we should abound in love. We should also abound in giving. Second Corinthians uh, eight and verse seven that says that we should abound in, living, in giving. He that uh, soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth uh, bountifully shall reap bountifully. So we should abound in giving. The next verse kind of explains that he's probably talking more about your attitude. It says, "For God loves a cheerful giver." So we should. We should. Rejoice at the thought and idea of giving to the Lord, to the work of the Lord. And here he's talking about financial giving. Giving of, of physical needs and things of this nature. We should abound in giving. Do you abound in giving? Do you really love to give to the Lord, to the work of the Lord, and other people? Do you really love to do that? You really like to do that so that you abound in it? Well, that's one thing the Bible says we ought to abound in, in our giving. Matthew 12, 41 through 44, Jesus sat over against the treasure and observed how people cast into the treasury. Not not how much, but how they cast in. And many that were rich cast in much, but a poor widow came along and she cast in two mites, which is a farthing, he says, which are very little it, But he said it was all her living. This woman, even though in uh, in in the figure amount, did not give more than these rich men, yet compared to what she had, she had given a whole lot more. Because she abounded in giving. Another thing. The Bible says we should abound in hope. The Bible says we ought to give an answer to every man of reason. The hope that lies within us. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. I used to think that that verse was saying, you need to be ready to answer any question anybody gives you. I thought, I'll never get to that spot. <laughs> you know, I study on this and on that. And I can answer this and that. But always things come up. I can't. That's not what he's talking about. Now, don't misunderstand me. We need to be ready as much as we can to answer any question, Bible question that we can, that we possibly can. But that's not what he's talking about. He says, be ready to give an answer to every man, the reason of the hope that lies within you. Now, how's anyone going to want to know about that unless they see that hope? If you're abounding in your hope, your life is full of Hope. You're not always downcast. You're not always depressed. You're always in, not always in the ups. Now I know there are physical medical reasons can bring about depression sometimes. I know that. But sometimes it's our thought processes that bring about depression and all, you know. We just think in a depressed way. We let things discourage us and get us down. So here it says you ought to have hope. You ought to live in hope. We should abound in hope. A lot of hope in our life. Uh, Romans 8.24 says we're saved by hope in the world are we saved by hope? Someone said, I thought you would saved by being baptized. Well, there's more salvation than just being baptized. It says we're saved by hope because if you don't have hope, well, Hebrews 6, 19 puts it this way. Hope is an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. You catch that picture, don't you? An anchor, you know what an anchor is? That has to do with a boat. That has to do with a ship out in the water. You know, when storms come along, a ship wants to get an anchor down to hold its firm and steadfast where the winds will not blow it into the rocks and sh- uh, along the shore and all and wreck it and destroy it. So your anchor is what holds a ship steadfast in the midst of a storm. Your hope is what holds you steadfast when problems and disappointments come along. That's the reason you don't give up because you have hope. You have something beyond this life you're thinking about, you know, that there's a better world to come. In First uh, John 3 and verse 3, Bible says, Beloved, it does not yet appear what we should be, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifies himself. It's one reason people try to purify their life and make it better, because they have a hope, and they don't want to miss that reward at the final time. So that hope encourages them to purify their life. So we should abound in hope. The very hopeful people. Colossians 2, 7 says we should abound in thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, 20, giving thanks always. Philippians 4, verse uh, verse 6, giving thanks in everything. Luke chapter 17, 13 through 19 tells a story, and this is a true story, not a parable. Jesus was preaching, and there were 10 lepers that came to him. And they were asking, requesting. You know, Jesus could heal people physically. So he healed these lepers. And these ten lepers left. Then one of them, oh, turned around, came back, and gave thanks to the Master for healing him. Jesus said, where are the nine? Where are the nine? You know, there's so many things people do for us that they have done for us that you and I just forget about we don't really give thanks. We should give thanks in our heart. Give thanks to them as far as that's concerned. And certainly give thanks to God. that gave His Son to die for us upon the cross. That gave His Word to guide and instruct us. To give us teachings about how we could have a better family. Be a better citizen in this country. How we could have a better church or congregation. So, you know, we ought to be thankful. Just stop and think all the wonderful things that's happened in your life. The wonderful situations that you have in life. So we should abound in thanksgiving. Uh, we also should abound in ever good work. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Abound in ever good work. Of course James chapter 1, 21 through 25 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any man be a hearer and not a doer, he's deceiving himself. He's like a man that beholds his face in a glass, goes his way and straightway straight forgets what manner of man he was. But we should be a doer of the work and not just a hearer of the Word. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 10, As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Now we don't always have opportunities, but opportunities come around from time to time. Are we ready to help? In 1 John chapter 3, uh, the Bible says, If we have this world's goods, and we see our brother in need, we shut up our bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in you? what's it take to help people that are in need first of all you have to have the ability secondly you have to have the opportunity and then thirdly you need a heart of compassion and care and concern for other people so we should abound in every good work and the scriptures furnish us unto every good work I haven't been I have been puffing my deal have I yeah we have this last one Abound in abounding. Someone says, well, "That's kind of funny, isn't it?" You know, Well, we should abound in—Christian in life, and in love, and giving, and hope, and thanksgiving, and every good work. We should not only abound in all these things, but we should abound in abounding in them. And that's what First Thessalonians four, verse one, says: abounding more and more. The Bible teaches we should grow in grace. Second Peter three, and verse eight. And, uh, 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes, desire ye the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You get that concept? A baby. A baby needs milk. A baby gets hungry. It lets its mama or whoever's around know that it's hungry and it needs milk. And it gets milk. Now, as a babe desires the milk, uh, milk, you and I should desire God's word that we could grow thereby. And that's something that we should, uh, should, uh, something that we should abound in. Well, the lesson is basically yours. In other words, the concept of abounding is not just casual, very easy involvement in this, but really get into Christianity and live in the Christian life. Really get into it. Give your heart and soul to it. Make yourself exactly what you think you ought to be. As much as you possibly can. With the study of God's word. With the knowledge of things. And with the Lord's help. while well, we can do that. You know in First uh, Corinthians 16. And uh, I think in verse 15. The Bible talks about Stephanus. The household of Stephanus. That they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. You know, you know what an addiction is. Maybe you haven't had personal experiences in an addiction. But you know what addictions are? If a person is addicted to drugs, they're going to do everything in the world they can to find those drugs, to obtain those drugs. If people are addicted to alcohol, that means they've really got their heart and their mind, it got control of their body, and they're going to do everything they can to get a hold of that alcohol. This family was addicted to the ministry of the saints. Their service to their fellow man and to God had gotten a hold of them. Where they just couldn't stay away from that kind of stuff. That's what we're talking about. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's the lesson. I don't think I usually preach this short. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't understand what happened this morning, but there's no need to stand up here and kill a bunch of time with the rest of it. But you get the concept. Whatsoever you do, you should do it heartily. Colossians 3 and verse 23. Here it's talking about even working on your job. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Put your whole heart, your whole life into these things. Abound in them and abound in abounding. If you're here this afternoon and you'd like to be baptized into Christ, we'd like to encourage you to do that. It, it could be done, taken care of this this afternoon. If you're here and uh, you desire the prayers of the church for some reason or other, why well, we encourage you to come too. You know the main reason people don't are not baptized? Because they don't repent. Repentance is a change of mind. That's when you make up your mind to do something about it. I mean, we can understand we need to believe in the Lord and probably do believe in the Lord. Willing to confess his name? We know we need to be baptized, but you'll never do it till you repent. Till you make that, have that change of mind. You make up your mind, I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to become a Christian now. And when you do, we'd encourage you to be like the household of Stephanus, addicted to the saints, abounding in the work of the Lord. For your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that wonderful? If you're here this afternoon and you're subject to the invitation, we'd encourage you to come while we stand and sing the song Selected.